Amen. All right. Well, we're back in Revelations. And we're going to start talking about the trumpets of God. The trumpets of God. I was doing research and, and reading um, one author brings up that uh, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls are all happening at the same time. When you say number one, you got the first seal, the first trumpet, the first bowl taking place all at the same time. What happens from one you're, to two to three is constantly intensifying. I don't know. Others think it's chronological. Seals first. Trumpet second, bowls third. Whichever order it is, what it is, is simply this. You and I should be aware of the atmosphere in which we're living. We should be aware of the times in which we're living. We should be aware that things are changing. Now, oftentimes you will hear this. Boy, I don't want to go through that. I don't want that to... People understand this. God is more than able to keep us. If he takes us out, praise God. If we are to go through it, he's able to keep us through it. And the whole process is this here. That we are going to glorify him. We're going to glorify him. We're going to glorify him. Because what is going to take place is simply this. God is going to answer that which man sometimes asks of him. I won't believe it unless God shows me. I won't believe it unless God shows me. And the truth to that is this here. Even though God shows you his power, there will be those who will still refuse to believe. They will still choose not to believe, even though God shows his power. But God shows his power because even in that, some will repent and some will believe. And God does then those things that man has to recognize man has nothing to do with. It is all God that is at work. No one else could do then what is being done but God himself. But God himself. And a world will see things change. And the whole process, even though they see things change, they have the choice of repenting or hardening their own hearts. Because they will recognize man doesn't have this power to do what is being done. For the Christian, what is being done should not be fearful, but it ought to be an amen, praise the Lord, do your thing, Lord. Because God, who has been patient down through the ages... Is bringing judgment. Is bringing judgment. And we know that it won't be long and we'll be going home. It won't be long and we'll be going home. The trumpets were used in the Old Testament to gather people, to summon people. To warn people. They were used in the military for different type of marches or different type of battle array or formation. They were used in the area with the festivals that took place in Israel. The trumpet was always used to announce something or to grab the attention of people. So the trumpet we hear of the seven trumpets. And at each one of those trumpets, there's an announcement, there's an action that's going to take place. In Revelations, the trumpets are used to announce God's judgment on earth and upon man. And in chapter 8 of Revelation, we find that it's four upon earth 
and three upon man. Now, understand all this too. The first four, although they are upon earth, they do have an effect upon man. But not a direct effect per se, as the last three. The last three is a direct effect upon man. You might as well say the last two, really. Because in each one of the seven, it starts the beginning of the other. So the seventh seal had the seven trumpets in it. The seven trumpets, in the seventh trumpet, are the seven bowls. So they are interlocked. They tie together. Now, in Romans 8, and we're just going to go back to a few things if I can. In Romans 8.22, he simply says to us, Boy, we know that the whole creation has been groaning. Now, he says, we know. Do you really know that creation has been groaning because of the sins of man? Just think that the earth could go, You know, when you see somebody do something wrong, You know? We could hear it. But he says, we know. And we know today that the earth is suffering because of the sins of man. If I could count sometimes the beer cans that are thrown out in front of my yard and I got to go out and pick up. Or the wine bottles. Or the litter that takes place. Or the things that take place that damage earth. And today we have people who are trying to do what? Preserve the earth. As they call it, Mother Earth. Well, don't go that far, but we have done some damage to the earth. And it says, it, it groans. The whole creation has been groaning. As in the pains of childbirth. Now, he gives you an illustration in the pains of childbirth. Now, A woman knows when she gets pregnant, boy, there's going to come a time of what? Birth pains. Now, at the beginning, there's all this joy. I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, telling everybody. Why bringing forth birth, get away from me. But yet, what I want you to look at is this. The time in which one discovers they're pregnant and the time in which they give birth. There's that time in between. And God says, boy, creation has been groaning as pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It's still groaning, but at some point... The child is going to come forth or those labor pains are going to hit. Thank God I don't know nothing about no labor pain. But I do know this. A woman, boy, if she got fingernails and she hits one of them pains and grabs your arm, oh boy, what can move? And the Lord says, all the way up, until the time of judgment. When the labor pains will take place in a sense. He moves on in Genesis seven twenty one through 24. He says, every living thing that moved on the earth perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all creatures that swarm over the earth. And all mankind except for Noah. So it's not that God can't do what he's talking about here. Because he gives us the, a historical insight that he's done it when? Before. So it's not impossible for God to do it. 
And we live in a time in which we're saying it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. We have the same mindset as many of the people before the flood took place that it would never happen. It would never happen. It would never happen. So in one way, many people are not even looking for the judgments of God to come. They don't believe that it will even take place. They don't believe that God will bring a judgment and they fall into this entrapment. God is love. God is love, but God is also a righteous judge. But we fall into that entrapment. He, he loves us so he won't do anything to harm us or to hurt us. And that's true of the Christian. For God explains it in Jeremiah that he has a plan for us, not to harm us, but to prosper us. He goes on in Leviticus 18, 25-30, he says, I'm not going to read it all, but he says, Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin. And the land vomited out its inhabitants. When you take something sour into your stomach, when you take something into your system that's not right, what has to happen? It comes out. It comes out. Either it comes out through the mouth or it shows itself and comes out through sweating, through fever. Your body says something's in here that shouldn't be what? In here. And just think of a large volcano shooting up. If you could picture that large volcano, in a sense, shooting your sins, our sins, out from what infects the earth. It would be like us vomiting and releasing it. And he says, boy... Even the earth reacts to our sin. The trumpets were used to announce God's judgment. And there were short ones, long ones, uh, all types of different instruments there with the trumpet. And each one had its own distinct sound for people could recognize it. And when they recognized this certain sound, boy, people rallied. For the Christian, for the believer at that time, I believe that they will really recognize a trumpet of God has been blasted by what they see and what they will recognize was taking place on earth. Now, as Christians, we shouldn't be surprised. But it is surprising to me how many believers don't even believe that what is being stated sometime in Revelation will even take place. So oftentimes we won't read the book of Revelation. We won't even study it. Because it's one of those books that we think fear us when it should bring joy to our hearts and comfort. And the whole process there. We should not be caught by surprise. Why? In Matthew 24, 20, 32 through 33, says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know. The moment we see the trees begin to bud, we what? We know what's coming. The moment you see certain things happen, you know what's taking place. When you see on that grapevine, those little buds begin to take place. You can't wait for them to get where. There's one house that I know of that has them buckeye cherries and you can't find too many of them anymore. But boy, I keep my eye on that house, you know, and I'll go up on that back porch because I know the people and boy, I'll pick them old dark, deep, Chairs, and I'll sit right there and I'll eat them. And sometimes Elaine will you need to wash that stuff first. You know, you know, you just wipe them off and eat them. They're good. See? 
But the moment you see certain things take place, he says, you know, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. And God says, you know my judgment is right at the door. You know I'm right there about ready to step in. You know. You know. Because we're seeing these things. The question for you and I is this, what are we really seeing? And oftentimes I think we're like the ostrich. We rather put our head down in the sand and not what? Not really see it. I remember when I used to be a chaplain at the hospital and I was attending a person from the east, uh, Oriental, and they said to me, America is strange because it's about the only country I know that never prepares for death but only prepares to live. But never prepares for death. But always living. Like we're going to be here for eternity. Not recognizing God has put a limitation on this life. And as a friend of mine said, he got his three score and a little more. He's blessed. Well, all of us who got our three score and a little bit more, we're blessed. Okay. But God has put a limit on it. And just think about it. Even if you live to be 109 and you read about the millennial period, you're going to find people who are living to be three, 400 years old. Much older than just 100 years old or 109 years old. And yet, when they reach 109 or 110, 115, guess what they're called in the millennial period? Children. <laughs> they're still considered to be young and children. But the Lord is reigning then during that thousand year reign. He's reigning. But he says, you know. And I, and, and I want to put that in your mind. You know. And the question is, do you know? Matthew 16, 2 and 3, he replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know. Back again. You know. There's times you can look up at the sky and you can see a cloudy day and you know it's most likely going to do what? It's going to rain at some point during the day. You know. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky. But you cannot interpret the signs of the time. You can't look at what's happening in the world and interpret the signs of what's taking place. You can't understand what God is doing at this time. And I want to say it again to you. God is never in a hurry. When you look at times in which God warned Israel about going into captivity, it was hundreds of years before they took them into captivity. But he started to warn them. And things began to happen. Things began to happen. And things are beginning to happen with us. The question is, are we seeing it? Do we really want to see it? Do we want to hear about it? And there's this false belief about our world that somehow on its own is going to get better. Not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. You read First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 6. He says, Now, brothers, about the times and dates we do not need to write to you. Again, you what? You know. 
Look how often the Lord is saying, you know, you know, you know. And the reason he can say you know with confidence is because he has revealed it. He's showing it. It's up to you to see it, recognize it, and adjust your life and respond to it. He says, you know, you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. How many of you really know that? That God's really coming. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming. Now, I don't know the day or the hour. But the evidence of his second coming is based on his first coming. And people who don't want to believe about it need to go study his first coming. Because many people denied that he was coming the first time. But he came. He came. And even sometimes you find in history this historical Jesus... The thing about him is this, what history can't do with him, they can't really make him a myth. But they can't really accept everything that he did. (laughs) So they have to acknowledge that there was a Jesus that was born. Now whether if he was God's son becomes a debate. But the thing is they cannot deny that he existed. And he says, You know. And he says, while people are saying peace and safety, boy, who's going to attack America? We got the best army, the best airplanes. We got the biggest tanks. We got the biggest bombs and more nuclear bombs than anybody else. Who's going to be foolish to attack America? We are safe. So we think. That we're safe. And most of the world in its own little areas think they are what? Oftentimes safe. Safe. And he said, boy, peace and safe. The peace allows us to have the freedom to do what? Just move around and do what we want to do. But we think we have peace and that we're safe. And he says, destruction will come on them suddenly. Boy. Again now, he uses that woman as an illustration, like labor pains. You don't know when they're coming. You know from the time you get pregnant, they're going to come. You just don't know when. But they're coming. We don't know when these things are going to happen, but we know they're coming. And we begin to see them just like the woman who is pregnant. The seed is there for it. Now the intensity of it. Marching to it. And he says, the labor pain on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you brothers are not where? You're not in darkness. For the believer, if you're in the word of God, you're not in darkness. But oftentimes, many people who believe don't really read the word. Or they don't study it. And because you're not studying it, because you're not really taking it in, and because you're not really believing it, you miss it. You miss it. And he says, but you brothers, you're not in darkness. And there's a lot of Christians who are in darkness because they will not take in the word of God. They live in darkness. And he says, so that this day should surprise you. Should do what? Should surprise you or take you as off guard or as you're unaware of it or that you're not having knowledge that these things will take place. When when somebody tells me that a woman is pregnant but she don't know she's pregnant until after she delivers, something wrong with that. Hey. Because that doesn't make sense. You're not going to be pregnant. And there is no... Have you ever heard people say, I'm halfway pregnant? There's no halfway pregnant. 
Either you are, or you're not. And he says, again, boy, it shouldn't take you by surprise. You are the sons of light. You're the children of light. And because you are the children of light, you have knowledge that other people don't have. Because you are the children of light, you should have wisdom that other people don't have. You are privileged to a teacher that other people do not possess, called the Holy Spirit, who will teach and who will reveal to you. Well, other people don't have that. And he says, you are of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. We don't belong to the night or to darkness. Or we don't belong in the category of not having knowledge about spiritual things. We're in the category that we have knowledge of spiritual things. They are not made up knowledge of my own opinion about something, but they are based on God's word. And I know that is true. Let God be true and every man a what? A liar. So I base my truth on God's word, not on my opinion, not on what I think, but really on God's word. And he says, boy, I'm a child of the light, not of night or darkness. So then let us not be like others. When you put all that together, he's saying, don't be like other people who live in darkness, who live in ignorance, who will not accept what my truth is saying. You don't live like others who are, as he called them, asleep. But let us be alert and what? Self-controlled. That we're alert, we're aware to what's going on. We're knowledgeable of what's taking place in our society, in our culture, in our families. We're knowledgeable of it. And then he goes on, he says, boy, when you get in Revelation 8-7, the first trumpet. He says, a third of the earth was burned up. How many of you have been taking notice of all the forest fires out in California and forest fires around the world, different areas, the destruction that is taking place? And he says, boy, a third of the earth was burned up. The natural objects are trees, grass, and plant life. Trees, grass, and plant life. They are destroyed. And he says... The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up. And all the green grass was burned up. Now, you have to ask this question. If that happens, what effects does it have upon man? How does it affect us? Now, this is not directly towards us, but there's going to be an effect upon us. For the first four are against nature, are against the earth. But we need to remember, boy, we live here. And whatever happens to earth also is going to have an effect on what? Our lives. And that's something we have to be aware of. We need trees... For trees affect our climate and release oxygen into the air. Trees store the carbon dioxide. The evaporation from a single tree can produce the cooling effect of 10 room-sized air conditioners. Just think, a third of the trees are destroyed. That means the planet gets a little bit what? Hotter. Gets a little bit hotter. Why is the desert so hot? <laughs> no trees, no grass, nothing to help cool it. But where you find grass and trees, how many of you like a shade tree sometime on a real hot day? Yeah. 
We kind of run to it because it's a different temperature under that shade tree compared to being where? Out there in the sun. And boy, we will run to that shade tree. We even put our chairs under the shade tree. We'll read our newspaper under the shade tree. We'll even eat our lunch under the shade tree. All because it's a little bit what? Cooler under the shade tree. Grass itself. According to Mississippi State University study, a healthy lime has the same cooling effect as an 8.5 ton air conditioning. It has an effect because it absorbs the sun's rays and so forth. But yet it sends off a coolingness as it draws the moisture from the ground itself. That helps cools the earth then. And makes it more pleasant for you and I to live. And he says, I'm going to take away one third of the trees and the grass. And if he does that, guess what? Man's going to feel it. <laughs> You're going to feel the temperature. How many of the last couple of years have felt the rise of the temperature? Have we had a different winter than what you've been used to when you were coming up? <laughs> You know, it kind of surprises me sometimes, and sometimes fellows my age, especially when we meet on Thursday, boy, down at McDonald's, all the old guys and so forth. It surprised us that 21 below zero, or even anywhere around zero, they closed in school. And boy, we used to put them big old rubber boots on, wrap up, put the scarf around, the only thing you could see, and we'd be walking. 21 below zero to school. What was the difference between that day and today? But the thing is, we're going to feel and know the difference. Now, some people don't believe that there's a climate change taking place. But yet it's always being debated, always being discussed, and something's happening. Roger tickled me the other day. He said, you know, the last two winters I've had to shovel, and this winter I've had to shovel more than I've ever had to shovel out here in Denver. I moved to Denver for I wouldn't have to be shoveling this snow. And now I'm talking about, he said, boy, I, I may have to go out and buy a snowblower. Roger, you live in Denver. You don't need no snowblower. You know? But there's that change that's taking place. How many people go to Florida and it's been just as warm here at times as it's been where? In Florida. There's a change. And God says, are you being aware of it? Are you really watching it? Are you acknowledging it? Because, see, this is something God's doing, not man. Man can't do it. So God is doing it. When you go on, he says in Revelation 8, 8, the third of the creatures in the sea died. And he says a third of the ships were destroyed. How many of you have ever noticed most of the poorest countries in the world depend upon their food from where? From the sea. Their main food is fish or what comes from the sea. Much of their ground, sometimes they can't grow a bunch of things like in America or some other country. So they really rely on the basic food that comes from the sea. And you need to recognize that, boy, the world's poorest people depend on fish, earning a living and putting food on their table. In 2010, fish provided more than 2.9 billion people with almost 20% of their Basic goods, their food, their earnings. People in developing countries depend on fish, of what comes from sea. And then the Lord says, one-third of them, of that food source is going to be what? Cut off. One-third. We talk about hunger now. What will it really look like? See? And in some places, they're saying they're not catching the fish like they used to. 
They're not pulling it in like they used to. And it's becoming scarce in some areas. And think about the ships. Those of you who've got your iPads or your iPhones, guess what? If it didn't come over by ship, you wouldn't have it. How many of you go home and you're thinking about going home, turning on that TV, and just kicking back in your favorite chair, and you're going to look at it? How many of you realize there's not a TV made in America? So it comes over by what? By ship. Go look at most of the appliances in your house. Korea, Japan, or China. It came over by what? By ship. Most of your clothing that you wear may have been made in Taiwan, Korea, or China, Japan. Come over by what? By ship. If a third of the ships are destroyed... What would happen to in the life here in America? What would happen? Now, when's the last time in America you have driven past a field of sugar cane? Because the majority of our sugar is what? Imported. <laughs> Imported. When last time in America you've seen a large rice field? And most of our rice is what? Imported. When I was in Ecuador a few years ago, I imagine we rode for about five or ten miles. And all we saw was roses. All these different color roses. And I bought a dozen roses home for my wife because a dozen roses in Ecuador was less than $2. In America, she may not have got a dozen roses. She may have got, you know, <laughs> three or four, but four, I bought a dozen of roses home for her, you know. But yet, the majority of our flowers and our roses are all shipped. In. Now just think of the impact with the appliances and everything that we have that, boy, if that was to stop the impact it would have on our lives. Not only that, think of this. Because trade is so important in America, the economy, that a third of the ships are destroyed. What will it do to the economy of the world? Think it would have an impact? Yes. It would have an impact. And he says, a third of the ships are destroyed. He moves on in 810 and he says, the third trumpet. This one should become very apparent to us. Because it's becoming a very serious problem in America. Not alone around the world. He says people died from the water and it's called wormwood. And we also see wormwood in the Old Testament. It makes the water bitter. But he said there are those who would drink of this water and they also died. How many of you have ever had to drink dirty water? It was surprising to me in Vietnam, you could see things in the water over here. And sometimes you could see bodies in the water. And you go back upstream just a little bit 
Put your canteen in the water. Get your drinking water. Then you bring out a little pill and put your pill in the water. And that became your drinking water. Most people in the world drink from the same place that their sewers run into. Then when we was in Ecuador, we took a boat across to a little island. And I couldn't eat the food because the doctor already warned me not to eat anything over there. Even though it had been boiled in the water or whatever, don't eat. And I had to say no because of health reasons. I bought out my little pack of uh, chicken in the pack and ate with the people and so forth. But I couldn't eat theirs. But you could go where the restroom was at, which was not inside. Men and women both use restroom here and go a little further and get their cooking water from the same thing. We're not too far from it. We just wash our water so our water, though we flush it in the toilet, goes somewhere else and be recycled and cleaned up. And we drink it without thinking of the other. But most of the world don't have something to wash it, to clean it up, to purify it. And in America, here it says, America's about to hit a water crisis. And we're not already in it. America tends to take it for granted that when we open a tap, water will come out. You know, out west in many states, they are doing all they can do to, pervert, to preserve the water. You don't turn a faucet on and just let it run. You can't water the grass at certain times. There's things that you can't even wash your car because it's a waste of water. There is becoming a water crisis in America. Though we have, as the poet would say, water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. We can't drink seawater. And he says in the scriptures there, the rivers and springs that this wormwood would affect the rivers and springs. And we get our water from rivers and springs. And he says, boy, in verse 10, the third angel sounded his trumpet and great stars blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the spring waters. Listen to the reports. Listen. Even the UN is discussing that the next big war will be about water. Will be about water. We can't live without what? Water. And even today, you know, it's hard for me to do since Carol brought it out. It's hard for me when I'm traveling to stop and buy a bottle of water. It's hard for me to pay for a bottle of water. I mean, it just goes against everything in my system to pay for a bottle of water when you would drink water, what, freely. You know, and you would stop at places and they have drinking fountains and you drink freely. But even now, without saying it, most of us buy bottled water, take it home, and don't trust the water out of where? Yeah. Isn't that saying something? And yet, there's that crisis that's coming and that's taking place. And the Western states have been dealing with water problems for a while now. 
And in Revelation 8.12, something only God can do. Something only God can perform. I have an article at home that Elaine, what was the Revelation uh, teacher, professor? Um, Dr. Leverson. He gave us all an article to prove a point for us. And I have it filed away. You know, I'm good at putting stuff away and hiding it from myself. Anybody else do that? You know, you know. I have money hid around the house. I forgot where I've hid it. And, and I got to go look for it. And, uh, I got it in coins. I got it in this kind of box or that kind of box. And, and I got to go find them, you know, and at least let the kids know it, it's it's around there somewhere. You know, I, and, and within that, I'm like my dad. He hid money in socks. He hid money in books. He hid money in old uh, magazines. It was all over the place. <laughs> we We started to discover after he passed. But Dr. Lurkson gave us this article, and it was about sending the individual to the moon. That they could not get the rocket ship back in. And one of the scientists found a verse in the Old Testament where God held the sun from going down. For Israel could finish destroying their enemy. And when they put the calculations in there of holding that time period, they were able to bring the rocket ship back to earth. But until they discovered that, they could get it out, couldn't get it back in. And like I said, I had that article somewhere because it came out in a scientific type magazine that this science discovered this from the Bible. And could the Bible then be true? In this verse 12, it reads, The fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. If you take away a third of the day and a third of the night, what have you just done? You just shortened what? The day. Because we're looking at a 24-hour day. And God says, no, I'm going to have you function in a 16-hour day rather than a 24. And man says, that's not possible. Remember what I told you when we started this? God is going to do some things that only who can do. And man has to ask this question. Did man do it or a supreme being do it? Did somebody on a higher plane than man intervene and make the change. He who created it all, don't you think he can change it? (laughs) He takes a third of the daylight away and a third of the night away and if he takes a third from each section, it shortens the day to 16 hours rather than 24 hours. And I remember a couple of months ago at Bible study down at St. Francine Tower, a lady came up to me and she said, Pastor, I want to ask a question. Isn't there somewhere in the scripture where it says God shortens the day? Yes. Right here. God shortens the day. Now, if a day is shortened, tell me what scientists can do that. Tell me what man can do that. Even with all his knowledge, with his computers and everything else, who can really shorten the day? And God says now, 
man's going to have to figure out something. Do I really exist? Because just think about it. We can argue about the issue of the fish dying in the sea, the ships, a third of them being destroyed. We'll come up with some kind of story that this took place. A volcano took place. Or a tsunami took place and, and, and sent a third of the fish into land or something. We will be able to explain maybe that away. We may be able to even explain away. Yes, we were attacked by some terrorists. And they poisoned our water. And we have a short supply of water. And we may be able to explain that away. We may be able to explain away why trees and grass is destroyed. A wildfire took place in Arizona, California, all out west. In different areas around the world. We can explain that. But when the day is shortened, (laughs) how are you going to explain it? (laughs) When you lose eight hours, how are you going to explain it? What man did what to shorten the day? How would we explain it? And God is simply saying, I'm going to do something that man cannot explain it away. He's going to have to acknowledge that I am. That I am. That I am. And it only be because of the hardness of one's heart. Though what their eyes may see. And what their ears may hear. And what they know to be true is true. That they reject it. And reject God. And God proves this main point. It is man's will that either accepts him or rejects him. It's not by what he sees or really happens to him. It's something that has to take place inside. That I believe there is a God. And I go on this search to discover who he is. And in that search, if I'm seeking him, he won't hide. That the father will introduce me to the son and the son will introduce me back to the father and the Holy Spirit will be all in that mix that I might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and that he truly is the son of God. But it's my choice to what? To believe it or reject it. And God has given man that choice. What he does in this, and we'll see it in the next two. God takes away every excuse that man could question or state why he didn't believe in God. God removes all the excuses by his own demonstration that he is God. That he is God. So when you stand before God, you can't say to God, I didn't believe because of Or I didn't believe because of this. Or I didn't believe because I never saw you act. I never saw you work a miracle. I never saw you heal anybody. I never saw you heal a crippled man. I never saw this take place or that take place. God says, I've demonstrated myself before humanity. Now it's up to humanity 
to acknowledge the truth that I am. You catch the picture there of those first four trumpets? They're undeniable. And I believe we are starting in that process. That yes, in a sense, we're pregnant. And now we're waiting for the nine months for that labor pain to hit. And that judgment of God, that labor pain, is going to hit. But you and I need to be willing to open our eyes to what's really taking place in our society. Do I hate gay people? Do I hate lesbians? No. I really want to see them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do I hate the way in which they live or their sexual orientation? Yes. Why? Because it denies what God has set forth in a certain order. A man and a woman and a family that comes from that. It denies it. Do I hate people who sin? No. Why? I was once among them. (laughs) Look forward to my Friday nights and Saturday nights. Them was nights when I called treating myself. Them were nights they lame supposed to stay home with the kids and I did to go out and not knowing what I was doing. Hey. And see what we need to understand. God is being patient with man and his sin. And even demonstrating to a sinner that's rejected him. I'm God. I'm God. Remember how he did in Job's life? Job, where were you when I created this world? Job, where were you when I put the stars up in there? Job, where were you? And he's doing the same thing, basically. At the end times, asking, man, did you do that? (laughs) Did you take away one-third of the greenage of the earth? Did you take away one-third of the fish in the sea, the animals in the sea? Did you... Harm one third of the ships? Did you do that? Did you do, boy, the wormwood? Did you make the water bitter? Did you shorten the day? Did you do that? Did you do that? Boy. He removes all the excuses. And we have to come to that place to acknowledge. That he is God. Unless our hearts are hardened. And we choose to harden our hearts. And to deny him. Amen. We'll hit the next three next week. And see the direct effects upon man. And how God then deals with man. Even though these effects of what he's done affects man. We'll see the next. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness unto us. That, Lord, you warn us of what is coming. You allow us to know, O God, the devastation that's going to take place. But, Lord, we're so thankful, O God, that, Lord, that you're able to remove your people, protect your people at that time that believe in you. Lord, that you're able, O oh God, to keep those who are in Christ Jesus because we're not appointed to your wrath. And, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you took the blinders off our eyes that we could truly see. That we could see that, Lord, we had need of a Savior. That we could see that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins and took our punishment upon himself. That is through Jesus Christ and him alone that we are saved.
For truly there is no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. There is not another name that is called Lord of Lords and King of Kings. There is not another name that every knee shall bow to but that of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this privilege that you've granted unto us to believe. For it says that, Lord, that you've given every man a measure of faith. And Lord, we would not be able to believe unless you have given unto us that saving faith. And Lord, if there be any among us today who do not know you, we pray, Father, you would work in their hearts in a mighty way. That you would reveal yourself to them. That they might know, oh God, that you came into this world, Lord Jesus, to save to deliver, to rescue. You came into this world that we may have life and have it abundantly. You came into this world that we might know the love of a living God and to see him as the joy of our life and the peace of 